The Recruiting Blitz podcast powered by the UC Report episode 11 is live. We are down a man, but we are powering forward. And maybe they'll looking to the transfer portal to see if we can make an addition down the future. So we will talk all things uh, transfer portal as well as updated class rankings this week on the Recruiting Blitz podcast powered by the UC Report. It's a long season and everybody deals with uh, personnel changes throughout a difficult long season and that is the case here with the Recruiting Blitz podcast powered by the UC Report. Um, We're in December, kind of nearing the finish line of the season, but uh, that has certainly impacted us here as uh, as just me today and joined by producer Danny, Danny Priest. So what we are without my sidekick, Wade Jirasi, why is that? Well, the Recruiting Blitz podcast powered by the UC Report. Well, the UC Report powers a lot of things. If you're in the industry, you're probably familiar with it. It's a database providing lots of information on prospects. And uh, if you're a fan, odds are one of your favorite teams, you're your favorite team, not one of your favorite. Hopefully you're not one of those bandwagon people who's got a ton of favorite teams. Uh, odds are your favorite team probably uses the UC Report as a key recruiting tool. So, But obviously with the UC Report, uh, comes a lot of work putting into that, and uh, our man Wade is uh, working hard on adding in information uh, as, I don't know, the early signing period is just several weeks away now, but obviously the big news if you follow recruiting is transfers. Uh, the transfer portal does not officially, the window technically does not open till December 5th, but if you're following recruiting, you know a lot is certainly going on right now, and um, it seems like the new windows for the transfer portal seems like a good thing. Seems like it will help because, you know, even with free agency in the NFL, there were certain windows where you can do it. Having the transfer portal open at all times was becoming a handful. So we are now in the point where December 5th uh, through January 18th will be an open window for the portal. But there are still other opportunities, grad students, uh, programs going through coaching changes. FCS players can go in already. And then what we're learning, too, is even though the window may be the fifth, word is coming out of planning to enter the transfer portal. So with all that, there's certainly a lot of news uh, buzzing around the transfer portal. And all you got to do is look at your uh, social media timelines to see everyone tweeting out that so-and-so has entered the portal and what this means. And it's... uh, it's a fun, uh, good thing I don't have any hair, hair pulling out uh, time, uh, especially for personnel people. It's become such a big part of it. Uh, and, you know, some of it is an opportunity for programs to fill gaps in their roster, to add some experience. Uh, and, on, you know, what we're learning, too, is the transfer portal could also be fool's goal uh, in terms of adding players where you think it could have an impact and, necessarily don't maybe there's a reason why they're in a portal and the reason why they couldn't get on the field at team a is could also be the reason why they can't get on the field on team b and for some players just thinking that the grass is going to be greener as the old saying goes and go into the portal and you know here's one thing everybody that goes into the portal does not necessarily come out of the portal uh, a winner if you will with somewhere to land Uh, so it's one of these things where it's become Big headlines, it's going to dominate the headlines. It's going to have an impact on the early signing period that is coming up on December, starting on December 21st at 
that 72 hour period. So it's hard to be in this uh, world and not talk about everything that's going on. And it's having such an impact. Like again, it's, it's taken down. Uh, it's taken down a member of the recruiting blitz family as, uh, <laughs> as Wade cannot be here today. So what, you know, I, again, I, I don't know still, it's been a few years now. I think roughly if my math is right, I think this is probably the fifth cycle where the portal, uh, is, is now in play. Um, and I still have mixed feelings about it. You know, I guess if you want to call me old school, uh, and Danny, you're quite a few years younger than me. And as a, as a college football fan, maybe you have a different opinion. But I'm of the thought and the philosophy that ultimate success comes from building a culture. And building a culture comes from recruiting high school players. Does that not mean that you cannot find help within the transfer portal? I think you certainly can. Uh, even though Alabama is in a odd situation where they're likely to miss the college football playoffs, which is something that hasn't happened much, but they were able to mine the portal. Gibbs at the running back position was uh, was a great add. They've been able to uh, Henry To'o. To'o. Uh, so they've been able to add some pieces to that program to certainly help them out. Um, but right now they're sitting with the number one recruiting class in the nation. So I think that if you're going to have long-term success, you've got to recruit high school players. You've got to get them into your program. You've got to get them to a point where you can still develop them, maybe uh, develop good habits, still have time to break bad habits, and get them to kind of, when they commit to your program for a reason, they get in, and then you can kind of have them go through, and then there's more of a sense of ownership, too, the longer that they are within a program. And I think that while we're seeing some programs go heavy in the transfer portal, I, th- I think it's interesting to me as you look at, as we get ready to head into the championship, uh, conference championship games this weekend and into that final selection for the college football playoffs, that the four teams that right now are in the pole position to head into the playoffs, of the four of them, two of them very light in the portal, one of them active, and one of them really went all in on the portal. So you've got a little bit of a different perspective on those four teams uh, and different ways maybe to kind of get to the finish line. Uh, But I think mostly, and maybe we're talking about this now because it supports my hypothesis, but it kind of shows that I think ultimate long-term success still comes through high school recruiting and that the transfer portal uh, can be helpful but should not be the ultimate tool in which uh, recruiting and programs are built. Because, okay, Georgia, at number one. Georgia, this year, really none. They've had a few. I mean, Eric Gilbert, infinitely talented, but it's still two players in Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington that they recruited that are leading the tight end position. So Georgia, number one team in the country, undefeated, uh, having a great year. Even with all the players that they lost, especially on the defensive side of the ball, they've been able to reload through high school recruiting. Once again, they're in the mix, uh, competing for the number one class in the country. They've been an absolute staple within the top three, and their class sits within the top three again. So all their chips, if you will, kind of pushed in on recruiting, and it's paying dividends. So there's a team that is a perfect example that even with – and listen, I mean, I think you would agree – that Georgia, if they wanted to go into the portal, could probably 
pluck a lot of players if they wanted. But I think for Kirby Smart and their staff, they see the importance of, again, building a culture and how that is more so done through the high school. Michigan. I think you talked to a lot of Michigan fans. It's probably a frustration that they're not more active in the transfer portal. They got a few grad transfers. Uh, Iabi Anoma, Anoma, now uh, Iabi Oki, who's, who's been productive. But again, Michigan's been doing it through recruiting. Um, not very active in the portal, if at all. Uh, again, really more with just uh, a couple of grad transfers. So the top two teams, undefeated, non Pretty much, I think you could say, say non-players within the transfer portal. Um, TCU is interesting. Now, because I, I can certainly see, and obviously we're in the coaching carousel season right now, uh, a lot of changes. And it's, it's obvious it's really difficult for a new coach to come in this time of year, just weeks away from the start of the early signing period to sign a class. So the portal could certainly be an, a bridge for new coaches. Sonny Dykes at TCU done a really nice job. Um, obviously with, with the job that he's done at TCU this season, winning games, got him in the college football playoff hunt. Uh, you know, they win the big 12, they're going to the college football playoff and they've got a few transfers that are certainly helping them. Johnny Hodges, the linebacker from Navy is, has been a leader for them on defense. Uh, the corner, Josh Newton's done a nice job, but if you look at that roster and some of the key guys, obviously these are guys that, uh, that were already part of the program, but quarterback Max Dugan, their top three re- wide receivers, Quentin Johnson, Darius Davis, uh, Tay Barber, running back Kendra Miller, all guys that were signed by TCU at a high school. So they've, uh, they've done a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B, but more so those star key contributors uh, are high school guys, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And then rounding that group out is USC. Again, another program with a new head coach, but USC did is, is certainly in this position because of the transfer portal. I mean, Caleb Williams, uh, Jordan Addison, that's one that kind of flew a little bit under the radar, sarcasm. Uh, Mario Williams, uh, Shane Lee, the linebacker, Travis Dye, the running back. I mean, you could argue that if Lincoln Riley didn't do what he did in the transfer portal, that USC is not even in this position. Uh, now, is I would... USC is recruiting really well. It's a small class. Uh, they have the number one quarterback in Malachi Nelson, uh, five-star receivers in Zachariah Branch and Makai Lemon. They've got some impact. They're a top 15 class with, I think, they may have the least amount of commits amongst the top 15 classes, uh, but it's because of the type of impact players that they have. All that being said, there's certainly a lot of room left to kind of fill out. And you would imagine USC is going to continue to be active in the portal. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes long term. But you look at Georgia, you look at Michigan, uh, high school recruiting is still the primary overwhelming foundation. TCU, so many of those key players are high school players. They certainly benefited from some transfer uh Additions and then USC again. You could argue, you could certainly make the case that they're not even here if they don't have those transfer uh, things. So to my point, I, I think overall that the transfer portal is a helpful tool. Uh, a lot is made about it. I think more focus, more talk should still be made about high school recruiting, high school prospects. I think ultimately that's where long-term sustained sustained success will come from. Uh, I don't know if you agree. I don't know you've been. Listen to me kind of drone on here, uh, Danny. I mean, 
from your perspective? I mean, would you agree or disagree? Or No, I agree. And I think, I mean, obviously, I'm around you guys a lot. So, But I think what you said is true, that it starts, you got to kind of build it from the ground up. So it's the culture you're setting through recruiting your high schoolers that come in. And you could point to USC, Lincoln Riley. I think that's kind of a unique case of a very elite coach switching schools. Elite players are going to want to follow him. Sometimes if you're dipping into the portal, it's hard to say like a kid enters the portal. Maybe it's because they've outplayed the level they're playing at and they want to get to a higher level, which is great. But other times it might be they went into a situation, didn't get everything they thought they were going to get. And instead of putting in the work in to get where they want to go, they just want to leave and try a new situation. So I think you don't necessarily know what you're always going to get with the portal, if it's going to be the right fit. I think what you said about kind of building that class from the ground up and getting not just the skill level you want in your program, but also the character and the type of person that's going to be off the field in the classroom. I think that matters a lot too. So if I had a chance to tell you you're wrong, I would jump all over it, but I don't think I can do it here. Yeah, well, there you go. This podcast came very close to just being one person. Uh, so <laughs> correct answer. Now, I, listen, I, again, it, it's going to dominate headlines. It already is. December 5th is not even here yet. It, I, what's the other thing, too? This, 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 excuse me. This December 5th portal starting date is almost like, you know how like Black Friday after Thanksgiving now like seems like Black Friday now starts in July? Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, all right. So I guess technically that's, that's when the window opens, but as we're seeing already, the buzz about the uh, the transfer portal and players transfer are always are always interesting. And I'll give you one quick anecdote here before we get off this topic. Uh, uh, a year ago, I was talking to one high school coach uh, in December and asking him about getting ready for state playoffs and dealing with the early signing period. I said this must be a lot to kind of handle and. And he goes, he told me, he goes, you know what? It's not even, it's not the early signing period. He goes, I'm fielding more, more calls right now about former players that came mm-hmm. through here that are in a portal than I am about my high school players. So it's, it's certainly having a, uh, an effect and even, you know, college coaches and trying to f- gather information. So it's, it's, it's certainly a big part of the recruiting landscape. But again, I think that it, it has its place, but I also feel like at times it, could be a bit overblown and it could certainly lead to success but I think uh you know the rags to riches I certainly think that there's more of a chance to wind up in the rags column than there is a riches column if you go too heavy in the transfer portal but we will see but I think uh so far here early on uh if you're just looking at the college football playoff which is the ultimate goal uh, I think that would support it but we will see how things continue to uh play out Roughly three weeks to the start of the early signing period. Uh, always interesting to see as activity picks up. We've talked about the portal, but obviously a lot going on. On the recruiting trail as well, and with that, updated class rankings are up on ESPN.com. Check them out, updated top 40, and continue to update those and expand those as we get closer to the early signing period. And What's interesting is, uh, you know, Almost equal amount of commitments as there are decommitments. So moving up and down, um, shifting all around, and some of it negating it. I think, you know, Alabama continues to sit at number one, as I said a little bit earlier. Uh, Georgia has been a consistent uh, player in the top three ever since Kirby Smart has been there. Uh, They look in good shape to, again, finish with the top three class, but actually got knocked out of the number two spot 
uh, as Notre Dame was able to kind of just push in front of them, uh, picking up ESPN 300 quarterback Kenny Minchie, uh, a former Pitt commit. And what's interesting, too, is Pitt is one of those classes that was in the top 40 and dropped out. Uh, be interesting to see uh, how they do down the stretches. They've kind of had quite a, a handful of, I want to say quite a few, but a handful of decommitments here in the last few weeks. So we'll see how uh, that class continues to kind of take shape uh, between now and the signing period that first Wednesday uh, in February. But nonetheless, Minchie uh, once a part of that class, now in Notre Dame's class. So he, along with an offensive line picked up, a uh, three-star offensive line pickup, uh, was able to help Notre Dame uh, push ahead a little bit. So they're at number two now, uh, even though a little bit of a disappointing season on the field. Um, Marcus Freeman and staff doing a nice job. And as we had, if you go back again, if you haven't heard previous episodes, anywhere you find podcasts, you could find uh, 10 previous episodes of the Recruiting Blitz podcast. And one of those, uh, we had discussed Notre Dame's class a little bit more in detail. And one of those details was that um, Notre Dame's class may be one of the fastest uh, in the 2023 class. And uh, Minchie, a really talented quarterback, but also a really good athlete as well. Uh, he'll only help that group as well. So Notre Dame making a little bit of waves there. I think Miami did not move, but they were actually going to move down until they kind of pulled off a little bit of a surprise. Uh, Collins Chiapong, a recruiting blitz alum. Uh, <laughs> if once again, go back. You could hear, well, <laughs> as I think about it now, go back and listen to an interview as he talked about why he picked Michigan yeah. and maybe see if you could find uh, something there that, may have led you to believe. I was actually a little bit surprised. Uh, Miami was one of his finalists, and I know they had made a strong impression on him. You see, Michigan was a choice, and, and you would think that the year that Michigan is having, and then you, if you go back and listen to why he said he picked Michigan, um, probably would be surprised as well. But ultimately, Miami never let up, and uh, they were able to add uh, a player who I, I'm a big fan of, I think has one of the highest ceilings in this class, uh, finally got back on the field this year for a senior season, but a knee injury uh, wound up shortening that. So we wish him a speedy recovery. And uh, I think once he gets back to full strength, Miami could potentially have uh, now uh, a really, really dangerous uh, edge player. Uh, but So he helped Miami to kind of stay right there on the cusp of the top five. So despite a really disappointing season for Miami, uh, Mario Cristobal's staff putting together a class that potentially to build upon. Uh, two five-stars lead that group uh, in the corner, Kermani McLean and, and uh, Francis C.C. Maungoa, uh, the five-star offensive tackle. Um, and a little bit of shifting. Uh, LSU had some additions, some subtraction, staying in the top ten. Uh, Florida with the addition of Rashada moving up uh, to number eight. Uh, so they were in the top ten. So quite a bit of movement. Go to Again, you go to ESPN.com. Uh, more details there. The full article. We talked about uh, the ESPN 300 defensive end. Flipping from Miami, uh, excuse me, from Michigan to Miami, Michigan was actually a class that was kind of on the move, and they were actually going to make a bigger jump until that. But even with the defection of Collins and Punk, that they're still able to move into the top twenty-five, and it's one of these classes. Excuse me, one of the collection of commits that maybe not headline grabbers, but they picked up three, uh, three three-star players. Uh, a couple of them that were at one point again. I talked about. A lot of commitments, a lot of decommitments as well. A couple of them were Cincinnati players uh, in Cameron Calhoun, a cornerback, and 
Uh, Jason Hewlett, who can contribute in a different, couple of different ways, but projects the defense. Both of those players, and also got a really good three-star offensive lineman that I like a lot. So Michigan was took a bit of a blow that class, but still added enough to be able to move up uh, within the class rankings. Um, so they're inside the top 25. I think the one that is the most interesting to me, well, not the most interesting, but I find uh, there's, there's two. So we're going to kind of blend what's going on with class rankings. Uh, and again, Wade Jirasi not here. So we're going to kind of like blend in Wade's recruiting yeehaw roundup yeah. into this. <laughs> uh, you know, again, there's coaching changes, uh, a lot of upheaval in college football between the transfer portal and coaching changes. But recruiting never stops. It continues to go on. Uh, David Shaw, after over a decade leading Stanford, uh, steps down. Um, they've lost uh, an ESPN 300 tight end since that. But the same weekend that he stepped down, they also added uh, a, a four-star athlete uh, in Jackson Harris, who is one of the late risers on the recruiting scene. So even there, in the midst of losing their coach, uh, they got one of the uh, big steals out west in Jackson Harris. Again, a player who coming into the season was not somebody widely discussed, but had a monster senior year. Uh, we've talked about this before, the UC report and the max speed, being able to track players' game speed through film. Uh, and a 22 is blazing. He, he posted a 21.7 at, six, at roughly 6'3", 195 pounds. Did not see him at a camp, but uh, so, you know, give or take a little bit on those measurements, but... Uh, still a big boy who was moving. So um, one of those moments for Stanford, you're like, ah, oh, that's not quick. It's not the best moment in our program history. We just lost a really good coach, decided to step down, but we just gained a really good player uh, out west. So uh, sometimes even without a coach in place, you could still add good talent. Stanford uh, slipped just outside the top 25 to 26, but a big pickup there. And the other one is Auburn. Uh, Freeze now named a head coach. We'll see how Auburn does. But they actually, in that transition, broke into the top 40, added uh, two defensive ends, one a four-star, one a high three-star. So a lot of work for Auburn to do. Uh, most of the SEC lies ahead of them in the class rankings. But all things considered, for a new coach coming in, it's not a bad foundation to start with. Uh, so we'll see how Freeze is able to do here. Uh, down the stretch, there's some pieces in that class. Obviously, um, being uh, you know known as one of the better offensive minds in college football, he's going to love the speedster and Adam Hopkins, uh, DeQuavia Sori, a bigger target. He's got that class is led by two really good receivers, Jeremiah Cobb, uh, the in-state running back. So there's some pieces there in offense. Certainly, build up. Auburn with a lot of work to do. We talked about the portal. It'll be interesting to see how active we think Auburn would have to be. Uh, pretty active within this. Uh, cycled ads to pieces, but he's going to gain a class that uh, seen coaches coming in uh, in tougher situations with classes to build. Um, so you freeze now taking over a class in Auburn that was outside the top 40, but now just inside the top 40, which leads me to, as we finish up here, some of the new coaching changes. We've ranked some of the new, uh, some of the jobs that were open and what were the best and the toughest from a recruiting standpoint. We had talked about Nebraska being one of the toughest just because of, as they say in real estate, location, location, location. <laughs> There's not a, lot of, not a lot of just a deep pool of talent where Nebraska is led, but it is a program with a lot of history. And I think early on, there's two hires that you would say 
everybody uses a home run hire. Time will tell, but you certainly feel like, all right, they hit the bullseye. If you're going to go out and you're going to make a coaching change, you want to feel like we've made an upgrade. Uh, and I think the two programs you could say that uh, certainly about right now are Nebraska uh, with Matt Rule. Uh, obviously, his tenure with the Panthers did not go well. But as soon as that decision was made, he was fired by the Panthers. I think anybody in college football knew like somebody's going to get a really good college mm-hmm. football coach. With what he did at Baylor and Temple previously, now Baylor's located in Texas. What's in Texas? A lot of good football players. Uh, Temple, maybe a G5, uh, but it is in Philadelphia. Uh, a stone's throw from New Jersey, which is probably the deepest state in talent, deepest state for talent within the Northeast. So the difference is those two jobs had their own challenges, but they were in talent-rich areas. Nebraska, program, a lot of history, great fan base. He's going to have to do it put in a lot of work, but you certainly feel like Nebraska got it. If they're going to turn it around, they're going to kind of get back to being into a Big Ten contender uh, that they got the right guy, that if there's a coach out there that could potentially do a good job of evaluating talent, rebuilding that program, that they got their guy. And the other one was a little bit of a surprise and um, a program that was in the midst of putting together potentially a top 25 recruiting class took a big tumble down is Cincinnati. Since as the time that we are recording this, uh, they've already had 60 commitments. Mm-hmm. Went from inside the top 25 uh, to now near towards the bottom of the top 40. Still some good pieces in that class, but uh, Luke Fickle leaving for Wisconsin has certainly impacted that Cincinnati class. Cincinnati now is still, I think, a really desirable job. Uh, not only is the G5, but getting ready to head to the Big 12, but we'll see what comes of that. But Wisconsin... We've talked about it too. That I had felt that at the time of the open jobs, it may have been uh, the best um, after Auburn. And again, you've got to stick to a little bit of a blueprint with Wisconsin. But I think Luke Fickle is certainly the guy with all of his Midwest ties to do that. So that one was a little bit of a surprise, but I think a, a phenomenal hire, uh, a great fit. Uh, again, Wisconsin's never been one of those programs that's been signing top 10 classes, but if you kind of stick with the blueprint of physical football, winning in the trenches, being able to run the football, get a good quarterback, you're, you're going to be successful uh, with the job that Luke Fickle did at Cincinnati, elevating that program. It certainly seems like now at Wisconsin, he'll be able to uh, continue to do that on a bigger stage even, um, on a bigger stage, obviously, Wisconsin being in the Big Ten, but uh, it seems like a great hire. So early on, coaching changes are being made. Hires are still going on with some hires. Leads some open jobs, as the case where there with Fickle and Cincinnati going to Wisconsin. But it seems like Nebraska and Wisconsin, would, I think most people would agree, are the early winners uh, in the coaching hires. Would you agree, Danny? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, especially with Luke Fickle leaving, I don't want to say like he kind of maxed out the program, but... He obviously took them to really good heights. Now he's going to a school where, not necessarily do it all again, been really good, but it's just exciting, I think, when a good coach like that leaves and goes to what you perceive as, I guess, an upgrade in terms of what he can do there. So I hope that both are successful, um, especially Nebraska, too. I think it'd be cool, especially with all the conversations we've had about how hard that job is. If someone could go there and really nail it, I think that would be a cool thing and probably good for college football overall. Yeah, absolutely. Well, both of those teams are well in. They would uh, certainly make only the Big Ten even stronger. But So I think we'll see how the uh, rest of the hires still a lot of jobs open, see who, who uh, how those get filled, and we'll continue to comment down those. And uh, 
Still plenty to do. A little bit of a, a little bit of a sampling this week again. We're without our man Wade, who's hard at work uh, in the UC Report uh, database. Uh, he will be back with us uh, on our next ep- next episode. But a lot coming up. Uh, obviously, we got the Geico High School Bowl series coming up. Details uh, to be announced. Looking forward to that. Uh, again, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, December twenty first starts the signing period. Uh, for high school, a 72-hour window, but also the junior colleges, the poor JUCO guys. We hardly talk about them anymore with the transfer portal, but they'll have their window. It'll be interesting to see. I, I think more so will be even high school. recruit. Uh, the transfer portal is really impacting junior college, so it'll be interesting to see how that uh, signing window goes. That one's a little bit more extended than the high school one. And then uh, January 30, ESPN, the Under Armour All-America game, practices televised as well. Prior to that, more details we'll certainly talk about that we'll release and talk about the roster and the teams. Uh, so a lot still to come. So stay with us on the Recruiting Blitz podcast powered by the UC Report. Thanks for joining us this week. And as always, remember, if you missed any previous episodes, anywhere you find podcasts, go back and take a listen. And we appreciate you listening. Until next time, uh, enjoy everything in high school and college football.